Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship at uh, Volhelvi. As you can see, uh, we've got our Christmas decorations up in the church now because this is the first Sunday in Advent, and it's great that you're joining us this morning uh, to begin our worship in the build-up to Christmas. So we're going to start our time together in the words of one of the great hymns of Advent, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Let's bring our worship to God together.
Let's join our hearts together in prayer now. Let us pray. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Father, we thank you this morning for this, your promise of Advent, spoken through the prophets and realized in Christ so many years ago. You came to our world, to a people struggling to know you, forgetting your ways, living in darkness. And in the midst of that, you came. Light and life entered the world and all was changed, surely, subtly, permanently. The Word became flesh and lived among us. And people spoke with Him, ate with Him, laughed with Him, listened to Him. And in Him they met with you in a new and a vital way, and their lives were never the same. Eternal God, with hope we look to you today. This season of the year, this time of short days and long nights, we are waiting for the days of waning to end, and for life and light and hope to grow again in our hearts, our congregations, and our communities. Like the men and women of old, we too struggle to know you sometimes. We forget your ways. Sometimes we even prefer to live in the darkness because it's easier than moving into the light. Forgive us, Lord, and come to us in a new and a fresh way this Advent season. Come and rekindle the flame of love and faith in our hearts. Come and cheer us when life seems dull and burdensome. Come and inspire us where we lack vision and the belief that things can change. Come and disturb us where we've grown too comfortable with a domesticated God. Lord, let this be our time, our Advent, when we give you our yes and make room for you in our lives. Come to us now and make us ready for the time when you will come again, not in the hiddenness of the heavenly child, but in the resplendent glory of the returning King, in whose name we gather this day and in whose spirit we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. We're now going to light the first candle on our Advent ring, and as we do so, we're going to sing the song, Light a Candle.
Advent is the time of year when we who live AD try to do a little thought experiment and place ourselves back in BC for a few weeks of the year. Everybody knows, and it's an old saying, that familiarity breeds contempt, and although that's putting it a wee bit strongly when it comes to our faith, I think it's true in regard to the, the stories, especially the Christmas story. We know the story so well, or at least we think we do, that we almost stop hearing it, and we forget what an astounding good news story the Christmas story really is. So, it's a good and a wise practice of the ancient church to spend these few weeks in Advent thinking our way back to the dark days when we knew we needed a saviour, but we didn't yet know his name or his nature. That little exercise helps to keep the Christmas story fresh for us. And one of the ways that the early church did this was the singing of seven antiphons in the last week before Christmas. Antiphons are a, a short verse that's based on the scriptures, and these seven are known as the O antiphons because each of them begins with an invocation, O, and then calls on Christ using one of the titles that's given to him in the Old Testament, asking him to come and be near us and to save us. Whoever compiled these sung prayers for the church was imaginatively entering into times BC and saying, if we hadn't heard of Christ, we would still know our need of a saviour. So what kind of a saviour would we need? Well, we'd need someone to bring wisdom and light and rootedness into our lives. We'd need someone who can be our Lord and our King and who can release us from everything that holds us captive. We need someone not just to tell us about God, but to show us who God is. Someone who could be God with us. And the prayers that were birthed from that thinking became the O Antiphons. And if you think they sound familiar, then they should do, because the Advent hymn, O Come, O Come Emmanuel, that we sang earlier, is based on those Antiphons. And we only sing five verses in the hymn, but there are seven antiphons, and they are O Emmanuel, which points us to Christ as God with us. O Rex, pointed to him as king. O Oriens, which is about the light or the dayspring. O Clavis, calling Christ the key of David. O Radix, which means the root, the root of Jesse and that family tree. O Adonai, which means the Lord, and O Sapientia, which means wisdom. And when you take the first letter of those words in Latin, it spells out two more words, which are ero, cras, which means literally, tomorrow I will come. So the Savior that we've been waiting for, that these O antiphons anticipate, is about to be born on Christmas Day. Now, we haven't got seven Sundays to play with before Christmas, but over the next few weeks, we're going to look at five out of the seven and see what God is saying to us through these ancient sung prayers, with a wee bit of help from the poet Malcolm Geit, who's written some sonnets that expand on each one. So, this morning, we're beginning with 
O Adonai, O Lord, which is the most commonly used term for God in the Old Testament. God's divine name, Yahweh, is just four letters long in the Hebrew. And because of that, it's sometimes known as the Tetragrammaton. But that word Yahweh, God's name, was thought to be so holy that even to say it was to risk blasphemy. And so, taking our own queen as an example, I suppose you could say that Adonai is to Yahweh what majesty is to Elizabeth. It's a term of honor that avoids using the personal name lightly. So this is the Adonai antiphon. O Adonai and leader of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. And here now is Malcolm Geith's reflection on that antiphon. Unsayable, you chose to speak one tongue. Unseeable, you gave yourself away. The Adonai, the Tetragrammaton, grew by a wayside in the light of day. O you who dared to be a tribal god, to own a language, people, and a place, who chose to be exploited and betrayed, if so, you might be met with face to face. Come to us here, who would not find you there, who chose to know the skin and not the pith, who heard no more than thunder in the air, who marked the mere events and not the myth. Touch the bare branches of our unbelief and blaze again like fire in every leaf. There's a lot in that sonnet and I'm going to give you a couple of moments now with some music in the background just to read it again, any parts of it that particularly grabbed you and to reflect on what it might be saying. Our next hymn is called Comfort, Comfort Now, My People. Let's worship God together. Comfort. 
comfort, comfort now my people. Speak of peace, so says your God. Comfort those who sit in darkness, burdened by a heavy load. To Jerusalem proclaim, God shall take away your shame. Now get ready to recover, guilt and suffering are over. There's a story I've told a few times at Bolhelvy, and at the risk of making the regulars roll their eyes, I'm going to tell it again because it fits very well with what needs to be said today. But I will give you the skinny version rather than the full Monty this morning. The writer Fred Beekner imagines that one evening lights appear in the night sky, spelling out two words, I am. And they're unmistakable. Over the course of a few hours, they spell out the same thing again and again in every language, written language under the sun, before starting the process at the beginning again with I am. The display is so staggering that folk immediately know that this can't be a hoax. It can only be God letting us know of his existence. So after a thousand years of debate and argument, we finally have the conclusive proof that we needed. For the first few days and weeks, folk flocked to the churches and to the synagogues and to the mosques for guidance, trying to find out what this means and what they need to do in response. Everybody's on tenterhooks to see what's going to happen next. But as days and weeks and months pass by, and nothing else happens other than those blazing letters in the sky, people slowly drift back to their normal lives, and before long, everything goes back to how it had always been. Sorry. To how it had always been. The point that Beekner's trying to make in that story is an important one. People often give the impression that if they just had enough evidence, they would believe in God. But this story shows us that evidence isn't enough for the human soul. We don't just need evidence of God's existence. We need some kind of a personal connection with him. Without that connection, God remains distant and vague 
and we're not sure what he wants for us or from us. 2,000 years ago, when Paul was wandering around Athens, he spotted an altar that was dedicated to an unknown God. Maybe somebody thought it would be a good idea just to hedge their bets and make a kind of generic altar just in case there were some gods in Athens that people had forgotten about, and that God might be angry. But that begs the question, if there was such a God, why didn't they take the the initiative and do something about it? Why hadn't they made themselves known? And that's exactly the point of today's antiphon. The story of Israel's God and our God is that of a God who refuses to remain unknown or to give up trying to connect with us even when we miss him because we aren't looking hard enough or listening closely enough. And that's what Malcolm Geith is trying to say in his sonnet when he says, we choose to know the skin and not the pith. We hear no more than thunder in the air rather than God's voice. He's saying that we humans often miss God in his self-disclosure. But in his mercy and love, God keeps reaching out, revealing himself to us and getting involved in our worlds, ultimately in Christ himself. Today's antiphon says, he appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai. In the burning bush, God appears in a way that both confirms and confounds Moses' senses. Moses can't deny what he's seeing and hearing, but he can't comprehend it either. It's a regular old bush, the kind of thing that he's seen a thousand times before, and it's burning, and he's seen that before too. But the leaves on this bush are staying lush and green, despite the flames, and the branches aren't charring and going black in the heat. It's an amazing thing to see. And as if that weren't wonder enough, Someone is speaking to him out of the very depths of the bush, out of the very depths of time itself, it seems. And whoever it is is calling him by name. Moses. Moses. Then and now, God our Lord comes to us, bringing the wonder and the mystery of his nearness into our every day, but making it personal by calling our names. But that's not all that he brings. I'll just ignore that. I've been arguing that God doesn't want to stay unknown. Our God comes close and brings the wonder of his presence into our lives. But he also brings something else. He brings a way into our lives. The antiphon reminds us that God gave Moses the law on Sinai. He gave Moses and the people of Israel a way to be in the world that would keep them living well and wisely, a way that place stress on worship at home and together 
and on right relationships with God and one another, with friend, stranger, and enemy. It was a way that stressed both the vertical and the horizontal dimensions of relationships. And throughout history, people have been scandalized by this close relationship between God and Israel. In a sense, God becoming a, a tribal deity, as Geit mentions in his poem. But that was only ever meant to be a means to an end. The end of drawing the whole earth together under his lordship and parental care. It wasn't ever about just one nation. And even as God promised Abraham an heir, he made it clear that the whole world would be blessed through Abraham's offspring. And we now know that that was a prophecy of the Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. When God comes close, he brings us the wonder of his presence, but he also brings us a way to travel through life close to him. Without the wonder of knowing him, religion without God, for want of a better word, we're just stuck in mere moralism, gritting our teeth and trying to be good people. And without the way, we're left without a compass in a confusing an ambiguous world, not knowing which way to turn. But when we genuinely connect with God, it brings wonder and mystery into our lives, and it also helps us find a way through the everyday things of life, like work and family, our desires and our personalities, our gifts and our failings. Our real lives are the place where God wants to meet and sustain us, if only we're willing to let him in. And in his spirit, his word, and in the community of faith, we have all the resources we need to learn to live God's way. There it is again. I'm just going to leave it. Just going to leave it and I'll keep going. So what I'm saying this morning, from our O Antiphona, from the, the stories and the, the, the sonnet, is that the burning bush brings the wonder of God's presence. The law given at Sinai shows the way. I wonder what you know of the wonder of God's presence and God's way this morning. You might have been a church member all your life, but God might still be largely an unknown to you. I always remember a song from many years ago where the singer described some folk as being semi-detached and semi-aware with a semi-belief and a semi-God's care. Is that you this morning? If it is, it doesn't have to be. The cry of Advent is, Veni, Emmanuel, come Lord, come. And the good news of Advent is that God is gently trying to get our attention all the time. I will not leave you as orphans, Christ said to the disciples before his crucifixion. I will come to you. And so he is knocking at the door, ringing the doorbell, 
dialing our numbers all the time in little things. It's just that most of the time we're too preoccupied with other stuff to pay much attention. But when we do open the door to him, when we answer his call, we will find him there waiting for us, bringing us the wonder of being with him and a way that can see us through all of the ups and downs of life. He is calling you even now as you listen to this service this morning, calling you like Moses by name. What will your answer be? Come, Lord. Come. Amen. Our prayers for others this morning are going to be led by Alan Jeffrey. Let's pray together now. Let us pray together. Dear Father in heaven, we come before you in awe and wonder because we know what your son Jesus did for us, died on a cross, so that we, who ought to have been in his place, could be forgiven and made fit to be with you for eternity. Long before Jesus came, folks believed in some higher power or being and called out to God. They wrote seven antiphons, which were poems or songs pleading with God to come to earth. Today we have heard of Moses and the burning bush, which, although a flame, was not consumed by fire. He heard your voice from within the bush, instructing him to lead the Israelites free from the servitude of the Egyptians. He was awestruck by your confidence in his ability to complete the task. Moses also received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai in awe-inspiring circumstances. However, following God's instruction is not always easy. In his times of difficulty, God provided water and food in wonderful, unimagined ways. He also had to overcome dissent amongst his people. Following God is not always easy. And so it is for us today. We know that God loves us, but we have to cope with so much anguish, pain and hurt, loneliness, fear for the future, failure, illness and loss. Particularly loss of loved ones, when the process is so different in these difficult times of pandemic. There are no longer large gatherings of family, friends and acquaintances showing their respect. No church meeting where folks can sing their praise and worship as they would wish. No chance to talk to each other, sharing dear and fond memories of a life which has lived to the full and now slipped away. Friends, there are so many in this congregation who have experienced such grief firsthand and so many who share it with their friends. Some bear their grief quietly and some who share it display. Lord, bring comfort to them all. Lord, we raise to you now 
those who are seriously ill, those with life-threatening conditions, but Lord, we also bring before you those who find problems with loneliness, lack of communication, no touch of hands or loving hugs, especially the elderly. Those who have lost employment, no income, loss of house. Lord, all this seems so pessimistic. Let us all put our trust in you. Look to you for your kindness and support. Help us take all our fears and worries in prayer to you. Help us be like Moses and follow you through our trials and tribulations. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and that is you, O God. The light of the world, the great counsellor, the wonderful healer. Help us to walk your way through the rest of our lives. Speak to us in awesome, inspiring ways. Help us face tomorrow, one day at a time. We ask these things in the blessed name of Jesus, Saviour of the world. Amen. A closing hymn this morning is Meekness and Majesty. Let's worship God together. Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, in perfect harmony, the man who is God, Lord of eternity, dwells in humanity, kneels in humility and washes our feet. Oh, what a mystery, meekness and Lifts our humanity to the heights of His throne. 
now go in peace to know the wonder of God our Lord and to walk in the way of God our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.